Section 80 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Mysteries of London, Volume 2, by George W. M. Reynolds. Section 80. The Voices in the Ruins. It would be impossible to conceive the existence of a more wretched woman than Adeline Ravensworth, though wealth and title were hers, though every luxury and every pleasure were within her reach, though with jewels of inestimable value she might deck herself at will and thus enhance her natural charms, still, still, was she the prey to a constant agony of mind which rendered life intolerable. For it is not all the wealth of India, nor all the luxuries and pleasures of oriental palaces nor all the diamonds that ever sparkled over the brow of beauty it is not these that can impart tranquillity to the soul nor give peace to the conscience such was the bitter truth that adeline was now compelled to acknowledge shortly after the departure of colonel cholmondeley which occurred at about four o'clock in the afternoon lady ravensworth felt so deeply the want of undisturbed solitude for her meditations and of fresh air to relieve the stifling sensation which oppressed her that she determined to take a long walk through the quiet fields hastily slipping on a plain straw bonnet and a thick warm shawl she left the house unperceived by her torturess lydia hutchinson passing through the spacious gardens at the back of the mansion she gained the open fields where the cold, fresh breeze somewhat revived her drooping spirits. "'Heaven grant that the babe which now agitates in my bosom may prove a son,' she thought, as she cast a hasty but proud glance around, or else the broad lands which I now behold and the soil on which my feet now tread will stand but poor chance of remaining long beneath my control. Yes, they would pass away to one whom I have never seen, whom I have never known save by name and who could not possibly be supposed to entertain any sympathy for me but if my babe should prove a boy if he should live too then adieu to all thy hopes and chances gilbert vernon these reflections led to a variety of others all connected with adeline's interests or her sorrows so profoundly was she plunged in her painful reverie and at the same time so invigorated did she feel by the freshness of the air that she insensibly prolonged her walk until the shades of evening gathered around her she had now reached the ruined remains of a gamekeeper's lodge which marked the boundary of the ravensworth estate in that direction feeling a sudden sensation of weariness come over her she seated herself on a bench which still existed near the dilapidated remnant of the cottage portico scarcely had she taken that place when a voice from the other side of the ruined wall caused her to start with sudden affright but the words that met her ears conquered this first feeling of alarm and inspired one of curiosity she accordingly lingered where she was and as the darkness was every moment growing more intense she knew there was but little danger of being perceived i tell you that i am a man capable of doing anything for money said the voice in an impatient tone if you think there is any squeamishness about me you are deucedly mistaken 
what i have promised you i will perform when the time comes and if there should be a necessity for such a step i value a human life no more than i do that of a dog if any one came to me and said there is my enemy and here is your price now go and kill him i should just count the money first to see that it was all right and the remainder of the job would soon be done i can assure you well well i believe you said another voice whose deep tones rolled solemnly upon the silence of the dark evening to all that you have proposed i must assent i have gone too far to retreat but we must now separate and when shall i see you again demanded the first speaker because now that you have made me acquainted with the whereabouts i shall constantly be ascertaining how things go on and i ought therefore to be able to communicate very often with you that is i ought to see you frequently for i hate doing business by letter can you not give me your own private address asked the individual with a deep-toned voice and then i might call upon you every other evening well said exclaimed the first speaker then after a pause during which adeline distinctly heard the rustling sound of paper he said have you got a pencil in your pocket for i can feel to write a few words in the dark yes here is a pencil returned the deep-toned voice there was another short pause all right cried the first speaker at length that bit of paper contains the name and address of the most daring fellow that london ever produced he added with a low chuckle <laughs> talk of your bravos of spain or italy why they are nothing to me and isn't it odd too that whenever a rich or great person wants anything queer done for him it is sure to be me that he gets hold of somehow or another i have no doubt that you enjoy a most extensive patronage said the deep-toned voice rather impatiently and even haughtily but we must now separate the day after to-morrow in the evening i shall call upon you good i shall expect you returned the other the two individuals then separated each taking a different way but one came round the angle of the ruined wall and passed so close to adeline that she shrank back in a dreadful state of alarm lest her presence there should be discovered for mysterious as was the conversation which she had just overheard there was one fact which it too intelligently revealed and this was the desperate nature of those two men's characters but the individual who passed so closely did not observe her for the evening was very dark and she moreover was sitting in the still deeper obscurity of the ruined portico neither was she enabled to obtain a glimpse of his countenance the outline of a tall and somewhat stout figure as he hurried by her was the extent of the view which she caught of him in a few moments all was again silent the sounds of the retreating footsteps no longer met her ears she did not immediately leave the ruins she paused to reflect upon the strange conversation which she had overheard but all its details were dark and mysterious save that one man was a wretch who gloried in his readiness to perform any crime for a commensurate reward and that the other was either his accomplice or his employer in some fearful plot that was in progress there was one expression that had fallen from the lips of the former miscreant and on which lady ravensworth 
principally dwelt now that you have made me acquainted with the whereabouts i shall be constantly ascertaining how things go on could the whereabouts or locality alluded to have any connection with that neighbourhood and if so did the observation refer to the ravensworth estate or were the two men merely discussing in those ruins matters which regarded some other and totally distinct spot the latter supposition must be the right one said adeline to herself after a long meditation upon the subject the only person in the world who could have any interest in learning how things were going on in this neighbourhood is gilbert vernon and he is in turkey moreover even were he in england he would have no need to spy about in the dark he is on friendly terms with his brother and might present himself boldly at the hall thus reasoning against the vague and temporary fears which had arisen in her mind adeline rose from the bench and was about to retrace her steps homewards when the moon suddenly appeared from behind a cloud and in its rays fell upon a small white object that lay at the lady's feet she mechanically picked it up it was a piece of paper on which she could perceive by the moonlight that a few words were written but she could not decipher them nevertheless the mode in which the short lines were arranged struck her with the idea that this paper contained an address and a natural association of facts immediately encouraged the belief that she held in her hand the one which the self-vaunted bravo had given ere now to his companion and which the latter might probably have dropped by accident hastily concealing it in her bosom adeline retraced her steps to ravensworth hall on her arrival she hurried to her boudoir lighted the wax tapers and examined the paper ere she even laid aside her bonnet and shawl yes it contained an address and the words were scrawled as they would be if written in the dark there could be then no doubt that this was the address which one of the men had given to his companion in the ruins of the gamekeeper's lodge it is useful to know that such a villain as this can be hired for money muttered adeline to herself as she concealed the paper in one of her jewel caskets what did he say that if any one went to him and whispered there is there is my enemy and here is your price now go and kill him he would take the bribe and do the deed and did he not boast that he was employed by the rich and the powerful in what manner could such persons require his aid assuredly in no good cause ah lydia lydia continued adeline her brows contracting and a dark cloud passing over her countenance as she spoke be not too confident you are now in my power but scarcely was the fearful thought thus implied when adeline seemed to recoil from it with horror for covering her face with her hands she almost shrieked out no no i could not do it what can you not do dearest said a low voice close by her ear and almost at the same instant she was clasped in the arms of colonel Cholmondeley. release me release me exclaimed adeline struggling to free herself from his embrace not till i have imprinted another kiss upon those sweet lips returned the colonel not till i have made my peace with you dearest adeline in respect to the past else wherefore should i have come hither 
and as he uttered these words he glued his lips to hers although she still continued to resist his insolence to the utmost of her power oh my god she murmured in a faint tone am i to submit to this new indignity Chamondeley supported her to the sofa then throwing himself at her feet he took her hands in his and said in a fervent tone adeline dearest adeline wherefore do you receive me thus coldly is it possible that you can have altogether forgotten those feelings which animated our hearts with a reciprocal affection some years ago but perhaps my conduct my ungrateful my ungenerous conduct has completely effaced all those emotions and excited hatred and disgust instead oh i admit i acknowledge that my conduct was ungrateful was ungenerous i abandoned you at a moment when you most required my counsel my assistance but was my fault so grave that it is beyond the possibility of pardon when i found myself this morning brought by an imperious necessity or rather by a strange chance to this mansion i thought within my breast i shall now see adeline once again but we must be strangers unto each other cold ceremony must separate hearts that once beat in the reciprocities of love and you know adeline with what formal respect i sought to treat you but when i beheld you so beautiful and yet so unhappy when i saw that the lovely girl had grown into the charming woman oh i was every moment about to dash aside that chilling ceremony and snatch you to my breast and now adeline will you forgive me will you say that you do not quite detest me even if you cannot call me your lover your friend with her head drooping upon her bosom with tears trembling upon her long dark lashes and with her hands still retained in those of colonel Chamondelet, did adeline listen to this specious appeal the words your friend touched a chord which vibrated to her heart's core oh yes i do require a friend a friend to advise and console me she exclaimed for i am very very miserable Jamondeley was man of the world enough to perceive that his appeal was successful that his victory was complete and seating himself by adeline's side he drew her towards him saying i will be your friend dearest i will advise you i will console you you shall pour forth all your sorrows to me as if i were your brother and i swear most solemnly beloved adeline that if it be your wish i will never seek henceforth to be more to you than a brother oh if that were true if i could rely upon your word cried adeline joyfully by every sacred obligation with which man can bind himself do i vow the sincerity of that promise returned chamondeley then withdrawing his arm from her waist as a tacit proof of his honourable intentions but still retaining one of her hands in his own he looked anxiously in her countenance to read the impression which his words and manner had created again i say that if i could believe you i should think myself happy nay blessed in your friendship returned adeline for i am so miserable so very very wretched that i feel the burden of such an existence too heavy to bear all that has passed between us constitutes a reason to induce me to accept you as my friend rather than any other 
for i have lately seen so much of the fiend-like disposition of one woman that i am declined to abhor the whole sex yes even though it be my own and to you moreover i can speak frankly of those causes which have rendered me so very wretched speak dear adeline unburden your mind to me said cholmondeley in a low but tender tone i must however inform you that i am already acquainted with many of the incidents regarding the connection between lydia hutchinson and yourself from the moment when lord dunstable and i so dishonourably wrote to you both to state that we were going abroad yes adeline i have learnt how you were extricated from the embarrassments of that situation in which i shamefully left you how in a word the offspring of our love was born dead and disposed of and how your reputation was saved through the means of lydia you know all those fearful particulars exclaimed lady ravensworth profoundly surprised at what she had heard yes dearest for lydia some time after she left the school became the mistress of my friend dunstable and she told him all he related those incidents to me it was natural that he should do seeing that we were mutually acquainted with each other's loves and oh my dearest adeline continued the colonel i can well understand how completely that odious woman is enabled to tyrannize over you and you can also comprehend how much i stand in need of a friend said lady ravensworth for it is hard to be compelled to nurse one's griefs to conceal one's sorrows without being able to unburden to a single living soul a heart surcharged with woe i will be that friend adeline replied cholmondeley but oh what dangers do i incur by seeing you by receiving you here exclaimed adeline and this thought reminds me that i am even yet ignorant of the means by which you gained access to my chamber nay adeline said cholmondeley in a tender tone do not attempt to disavow the encouragement which you so kindly gave me and to which you now force me to allude encouragement repeated lady ravensworth with a tone and manner expressive of unfeigned surprise yes dearest that key which i found in the post-chaise and the few words written upon the paper which enveloped it my god there is some fearful mistake in all this cried adeline seriously alarmed but explain yourself quickly i conjure you cholmondeley was now astonished in his turn and hastily taking a paper from his pocket he handed it to lady ravensworth saying the key was enclosed in this adeline cast her eyes upon the paper and read these words the key contained herein belongs to a door on the southern side of ravensworth hall and that door communicates with a private staircase leading to the passage from which my own apartments open i wish to converse with you in secret if only for a moment and though i have taken this imprudent this unpardonable step you will surely spare my feelings should you avail yourself of the possession of the key by forbearing my presence from any allusion to the means by which it fell into your hands merciful heavens ejaculated adeline when she had hurriedly glanced over the paper i am ruined i am undone it must be that fiend lydia who has thus paved the way for my utter destruction 
There was the wildness of despair in the manner of Lady Ravensworth as she uttered these words, and Cholmondeley could not for another moment imagine that her distress was feigned. "'What do you mean, Adeline?' he said. "'Did you not send me the key? Did you not pen those lines? Surely the handwriting is yours.' "'As God is my judge, Cholmondeley,' she answered emphatically, I never sent you the key. I never penned those lines. No, it is Lydia who has done it. She knows my writing well. She has imitated it, but too faithfully. Go, fly, depart, Cholmondeley. Ruin awaits me, perhaps both. The colonel dared not delay another moment. The almost desperate wildness of Adeline's manner convinced him that she spoke the truth, that she had not invited him thither. At least let me hope to see you soon again, or to hear from you, he said, imprinting a hasty kiss upon her forehead. Yes, yes, anything you will, so that you now leave me, she cried, in a tone of agonizing alarm. Jamondeley rushed to the door. Adeline followed him into the passage, bearing a candle in her hand. The reader may conceive the relief which she experienced when, upon casting a rapid glance up and down, she found that her torturess was not there either to expose her completely or to triumph over her alarms. "'Farewell,' whispered Cholmondeley, and he disappeared down the staircase. Adeline remained at the top until she heard the private door at the bottom carefully open and as gently close. Then she breathed more freely and re-entered her own chamber. What could Lydia mean by this perfidious plot? She murmured to herself as she sank upon the sofa, exhausted both mentally and bodily. She was not there to enjoy my confusion. She did not come with the servants to behold what might have been considered the evidence of infidelity towards my husband. What then could she mean? Scarcely had these words passed Adeline's lips when the door opened and her torturess entered the room. End of section 80